1: On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or
0: restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.
1: Quick update before we get started today, diet, wellness, and health culture love to dangle positive body image when they're selling you a new protocol. These are band-aid approaches that encourage you to contour and change your body in order to have an improved body image. We know that doesn't actually work. I mean, if it did, would you still be struggling with body image after years of dieting? In case you need the quick reminder, and no, it's not because you're lacking willpower either. So instead of having a sponsor this month, we wanted to talk about an amazing body image specific resource we've created for you and our clients. The Body Image Audit is a curated course taking key concepts we're talking about on the show and exactly how to apply these skills to build resilience and body neutrality into your everyday life. If we really want to release ourselves from the body image shame spiral and combat our inner mean girl, we have to identify and work on the root cause of our body image struggles. And that's not an easy task, but it's necessary if you really want body neutrality and body acceptance. No diets, no restriction, no intense exercise, because attempting to quote-unquote fix your appearance won't actually cultivate a more positive body image, higher self-esteem, and confidence. We'll show you how in the Body Image Audit. Check it out at bit.ly forward slash the Body Image Audit. Link is also in the show notes. Man, today we have Katie Barbaro on the podcast today, and we're so excited to have you on, Katie. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me. Yeah, you have an awesome graphic
1: novel, right? Like, is that how you would identify it as a graphic novel?
2: That's totally accurate. I keep saying it's a weird category. I'll say like cartoon-based memoir. It's whatever you want to call it.
1: That we're going to talk about, but before we talk about your new book, Fed Up, we would love to talk to you about how did you as a comedian, life coach, and occupational therapist end up writing a book about diet culture and food freedom?
2: Oh yeah, great question. Uh that that's the million dollar question. Like how did this
1: how did this become my
2: life? Um yeah, I guess, you know, it's interesting how these different hats that we wear in life, like they're all these external definitions of ourselves, right? As like I'm am I'm a stand-up comedian, and I'm an occupational therapist, and whatever else I identify with publicly, but the real truth of our being is what's going on inside, and I, my recovery journey is what really gave me my life, so my, yeah, like, I kind of naturally love to connect with people, and express myself, and be you know, it's kind of my comedian tendencies to communicate via, you know, comic strip or something like this, but, um, about something that really matters and feels foundational to my being. Um, yeah, just felt like the right thing to do. Um, more than painting a picture of like what I am on the outside. It's like, Hey, this is the real, this is what my real life is behind the scenes.
0: Well, I think that's also, you know, a lot in this book, you talk about the different identities that you've had over the years, right? And we've talked a lot about on the podcast how like this this identity that we can kind of um, morph into or accumulate over the years could be like the fit friend or the one who cares about their health or, you know, like this person who has these disordered eating tendencies. And it seems like even through all these other let's say, more externally focused identities that you had that you showed the world until you feel like, I never want to say like, you got there, you know, because there's never a there, right? But there was this through line through all of these different life changes that you were having of we were still, you know, like going back to this place of trying to figure out our relationship with food and trying to figure out your body all at the same time. And that is the one journey that really kind of like manifested
2: into this book definitely yes it was this like inner journey that was happening and really it was like a journey from out of alignment to into alignment so there's no definite there's no destination of course like you said but there is flow and coherence that's possible in life and it comes from this like acceptance and riding the waves of what's really happening which was the last thing that I wanted to do when I was in the disordered eating hell that exists.
0: So tell people a little bit more about the book. Now we know a little bit more about the inspiration for why you wanted to write it. But since this is not a visual outlet, right, like we're not recording the uh, video or anything, people won't be able to see this. But So describe the book for people because it is completely different than any other kind of body image, food freedom, like anti-diet book that I had ever seen.
2: Yes. Yeah, so you open it and then you kind of just enter my brain. It's kind of like a, um, an illustrated diary-esque tale. And I wanted it to feel that way because like, for me, it was important that the writing of it was actually fun. I was just talking with someone the other day of who's, who's, um, going to be writing a book of her own and the best, advice i could give her was just like make it fun for you. So i had a lot of fun making this. And of course like there there are some parts that are really heavy. There are i mean the whole the whole story telling it was released something in me. You know, it was like i was carrying around this story of my experience and it wasn't like there wasn't a chance that i was going to be like oh i'll just kind of brush that under the rug because that's actually how the, the tension in my life is created, um, anytime. And so, yeah, like the process of shining a light on the parts of my story that I felt really called to share with people, um, like making that process, something that was fun for me. So it was kind of like, okay, I'm going to wake up early and I'm gonna, I mean, it wasn't that early. It was also during, <laughs> it during lockdown. So I had kind of the the universe really gave me like okay it's time for you to write a book and but it felt like having this sleepover with myself or like this kind of fun giddy you know time for creative expression so my hope is that it feels like that when you read it
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, it absolutely does. I'd love to hear a little bit more for people who can't see the book right now. Do you want to tell like a little bit of a little bit of background about your journey, about your personal journey? Um, so they can get an idea about what kind of things you go into in the book a little bit.
2: Yeah. So it really starts with, um, you know, when I was younger, I really wanted to be an actress. That was my Goal. That was my dream. And a lot of the messages that I received, even though they were well meaning, like my mom's fear coming out in her telling me, whatever you do, don't lose weight if a director tells you to lose weight. And what I hear as a child is like, okay, so they're going to want me to lose weight. I have to start doing that now. You know, the things that we internalize are so you know, I, like I had the most loving, well-meaning and like generous parents ever. And still I picked up on these little things where I was like, you know, my mom's only ever told me I have a perfect, like my body is perfect. There's nothing wrong with me, but I see her dieting and I'm like, well, there must be something the grownups aren't telling me. And so really kind of unpacking my own story for my own benefit of like, how did I get to where I got? And I can, spoiler alert, um, where I got was um, developing really obsessive food thoughts and body thoughts. And, you know, I basically had an eating disorder without realizing it, um, which I thought was also important to go into because that's so common because of how disordered eating is normalized in the Western world. And you know, diet culture makes it so that it's not weird if somebody counts all their calories and has food at the forefront of their mind. And, you know, it's all these normal things. Like I thought that I was like, oh, this is what hot people must think about all the time. Right. Like there's no reason why people would just be like conventionally hot without thinking about this. And which is hilarious because everybody is hot. Like (laughs) it's like, oh, you're just an erotic being by like being in a human body, you know, Um, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, it is, it's here and there uh, at the same time. So basically it was nice for me to be able to unpack some of this because I'm like, how did this happen? And then eventually I developed a full blown, what I considered an eating disorder with bulimia. And with that, even though I had had disordered eating behaviors before that time, that was the first thing that for me registered as like, this is not okay. Um even though it wasn't an overnight fix, of course, like that's probably one of the biggest tenants of this uh journey that I went on and the story that I tell. It's like I'm not holding anything. I'm not like, oh, and then I recovered. Like there's not I don't even think the end of the book is like and now I'm perfectly allied. It's like okay, this is an evolution of how I relate to myself. And that's what I want to um, communicate to people, because it's really like, my journey has been about self-compassion at every single twist and turn of my life. And that to me is what true recovery is. It's like getting to the place where there's nothing that I'm not willing to feel and there's nothing I'm not willing to look at and love. inside of me, and that extends to the whole world also, so I just find this to be, um, this is having an eating disorder, and recovering from it, and going on this journey has been the biggest teacher in my life, and, you know, having compassion for myself in this way is what enables me to have greater compassion for the whole world, and so I feel very strongly about sharing that.
0: And that's what I, one of the things that I really loved about the story that you told in this book is like, it would be really easy to think at the beginning of reading any any of a book that talks about recovery is like, and then I recovered and now I'm fine, you know? But this one really shows, you have this visual in the book of like, the yellow brick road and like how it's going through all of these different twists and turns and everything and how you got to these places where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm learning all of these things. And you kind of like recovered in one part, but then something else came up, you're like, Wait, this is still here. I thought this was gone. And then it's like, you know, a little bit of a stumbling block and then you continue to learn and you continue to grow. And it's what I also loved is it's not it's not all just like you can do it positive, you know? Like you have these moments where you're showing your internal dialogue of like, "Wait, am I not recovered enough? Have I not been doing this right? Have has everything I've been doing wrong the whole time?" And then you have this like other voice of like, "No." It's okay, you know, so kind of showing, like, the the devil and angel and, like, the little bit of the, like, the self-compassion. And you all talk a lot about, which Christina and I talk a lot about this too, of, like, curiosity versus judgment, right? So there's, like, the little voice of curiosity and the voice of judgment. And I think so many people – Really run through this process of like, but I'm still having these judgmental thoughts and I like, and I still kind of want to lose weight and I'm thinking of controlling my food again. Like, does that mean I'm not recovered at all? And we always just like to emphasize to people is like, when you're having those thoughts, it doesn't mean that you're back at square one, you know, like we're not going all the way to the back to the beginning of wherever it was where you started. It's a continual learning process. And I think visually showing those people, those stumbling blocks, but you continue to move forward is just a really good reminder and kind of like a warm hug of like, it's gonna be okay. Like everybody struggles with these things and you just, all you can do is continue to move forward fueled by curiosity and not judgment.
2: 100%, yes, I love that. And that word curiosity is so key. Because that's the, you know, that's what enables us to have, you know, it's a choice. It's interesting, like, what you're talking about, like, even just noticing I'm having these thoughts versus identifying as the thoughts, like, wow, what a step in progressing towards open, loving awareness, right? And that's huge progress, but we don't always think of it in our, you know, success, progress, metrics, whatever we think, it's like, oh, an ideal is just having, you know, perfect thoughts all the time and a perfect life and whatever. And it's like, oh, no, you get to still actually be this messy human being that you are. And um, relating to yourself with curiosity and love is just more fun.
1: I really love the um, curiosity and Dana and I, we always talk about being curious and I think it's right. It's enabling the love piece of it, right? And kind of um, allowing yourself to be, like you said, this messy person that we are. I think something that happens a lot with people is they tend to get kind of bogged down with the end result. They think about, oh, I'm in this place and I need to get out of it. And so now I need, because we are like a culture that loves instant gratification. And once we realize that we're in something that's not serving our better good and not um, living aligned. Like you've, you've said a couple of times about being aligned, aligned with our values, aligned with our life. And we're realizing this, we just want it to be over. Like we want it to be over as quickly as possible. We want to get to it and we want it laid out for us. Like, here's how all the steps that we're going to take in order to get there. Once you're at this place, everything's going to be done. And I think that is something that needs to be broken down and um, is kind of like a toxic way of looking at recovery because and it looks at recovery as this end destination of some place that you can just end up and that's all there is to it and that we're not going to have to build in resilience along the way. And you said on Instagram recently about let go of getting there and arrive here instead. And I think that that's such an important message. And I'd love for you to dive into that a little bit. Like, what do you mean by that? What are you trying to inspire in people? And I would love to hear more about that post.
2: Yes. Oh, wow. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's so key to how we view recovery. Because if we see it like any other, recovery is just a diet. If we see it as like, there, this is my goal. This is my goal state of being. And I'm going to get there by doing these things. And I'm going to, whatever it is, right? Like that's just perpetuating the same toxicity that exists in diet diet culture. And it's, you know, like even the word, toxic, it's all, it's all well-meaning. I want to just also say that, like that desire to get there is so human is so like, of course you would want to get there. if, If it's been marketed to you, as a destination, of course we would want to do that. Like, it's just, it's just an issue of misinformation and a weird kind of cultural norm that we have. But the, what I meant by that of like, let go of getting there and arrive here, here in this moment, in this discomfort, in whatever exists inside of you that's saying, I need to get out of here. I need to get somewhere else. That feeling is the portal into exactly where you want to go right here and it's it can be really confronting to hear that because sometimes right here has the most triggering the darkest the the just scariest right we're like Fear is always the fear of feeling. It's always a fear of fear, right? I'm afraid I'm gonna be afraid and I don't wanna be And I don't wanna, I'm gonna go diet. You know, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna just I'll change my body and then I'm never gonna feel sad and lonely. It's like, oh, sweetheart, there are these feelings, whatever we want to avoid in this moment, it's gonna crop up wherever we try to avoid it from. And so what this is about is surrendering into just like, okay, life. Show me what you want to show me. Let's go. I'm here. I'm writing this moment right here. It's not about a future. If we're orienting ourselves towards a future of bliss, we're missing out on the present, the present, like a gift, but it is a gift and it is being here and now and really being here and noticing, it's just about noticing what aspects of this now moment that feel too intense for us and just massaging those with love right massaging this present moment with the kind of love and compassion that we would show a child or a wounded animal <laughs> and yeah
1: yeah you know it kind of um what you said reminds me of you know how like there's those analogies about if I just get to a deserted island and I could work and heal myself and then I could come back into the world and everything be fine. I've had clients say that to me before. Like, I just want to go to Bali and (laughs) live there for a year, heal myself and then come back. And it's like, well, your thoughts go with you and your beliefs about your thoughts go with you. So we can't just escape. And that's what so many things, so many of the tools that we get from diet culture, like dieting and over-exercising and all these different types of coping mechanisms that we use to kind of hide from that is just us trying to escape feeling what we're feeling and then acknowledging the beliefs that we have around those feelings. What do we think that that, that feeling says about us? And if, I love that you that you posted about letting go of getting there and arrive here because the more that we're willing to sit here in the messiness of our emotions – oh man, that's where that, like you said, that's how, that's the portal. You're so right. That is the portal. And we can't escape our thoughts. We might think we can, right? But they're coming with us, whether we, (laughs) whether we believe them to be or not, they're coming along for the ride and they're going to show up later. And they do continually, right? Every time we have, um, a triggering moment, like every time someone says something, anytime someone, um, you know, eyeballs our plate a little too long or looks at us a certain way or makes a comment or we see something on social media or, um, or anything like that, those thoughts come back up. Those beliefs come back up. of, oh, I still need to change. I'm still not good enough where I am. And I just really love that you, that you said that in such a a beautiful way about arriving here and how important the here is, even if it's uncomfortable.
2: Especially, especially if it's uncomfortable, right? Like those, those <clears throat> triggers, we've been taught to avoid them or to protect ourselves from them. And of course it's re- what is really important is to be in a state of safety or have the intention of bringing safety into those moments But a trigger is a really profound gift for the potential to heal because it's showing us exactly where we don't feel safe. It's showing us exactly where we're clinging to something that's um, not in alignment of the truth, which is that we are loved, we are safe, we are whole, we are completely taken care of and held by life.
0: And one thing that I, I had like a little bit of a, a meta thought <laughs> when I was reading your book is like, cause and I, I love how you really address this at the end of the book, because I was thinking about it in the middle of the book when I was reading. But so basically to jump to the end, right? So you've written a book about your journey to food freedom and body neutrality and everything like that. And it's, the thing that we can run into, especially because when we think about the, the audience of people who are going to be reading this book is like, I am seeing myself in here, right? Like I'm trapped in comparison. I'm trapped in body shame. I'm trapped in all this stuff. And I'm sure it's probably really easy for people who are going to be reading to compare themselves to where they are right now versus where you were at different parts of your journey. And luckily there were like taking them through the whole thing, right? Or even the, you know, quote, like, end result. So what would you say is your advice for people to help them not get caught up in the comparison trap on their own journey, whether they're comparing themselves to you or other people or themselves at a different
2: point in time? Mm, That's such a good question. Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing that up because uh, what I would say, like, the goal if there is a goal for any of this recovery work is to tune into and just discover and follow what resonates with you specifically and so if there is a point of like that I got to, or that a big thing that I realized, it was that. And it's not that doing things this way is what really works. Cause I'm like, no, definitely not. Like if anything, I'm really glad that I could tell you my whole story. So I'm like, no secrets, like try anything, try any of these things. If they sound good to you, like go for it. But it's not a step-by-step thing. Like there's not, it's not a linear process. It's very, but at the end of the day, coming back to Like really following what it is that lights me up or you up is, is the goal here, right? It's like, I, the comparison or I guess competition really doesn't exist when we start to see the world through this lens, which is that my role here on this earth is just to be the best me I can be. And by the best, I just mean the me is to me like the, like, I don't actually whatever standards I perceive from society are like just kind of silly and, and torturous, right? If I'm trying to be the, this other person that I'm seeing plastered all over billboards, like I am me and there's no competition when I realize that's my only job is to be me. And so that's what I would love for anybody else to just realize, like, it's about being the you as you, you can be. And I celebrate that. And I love um, wherever that leads you, you know? And even if I, I might've said this in the book, but it's like, even if you're like, this is a load of crap and I don't like this. I'm like, I celebrate you knowing what doesn't resonate with you. Like it's such a, you know, like, yeah. It's so amazing to get in touch with what's true for us. That's like the biggest puzzle we have to solve here. All oh, right, it's not even solving a puzzle. It's just, its a, it can be really fun, right? It can be whatever metaphor you want to put on it. Um, that's the choice that we have is like, okay, so this is what life is throwing at me. It's put me in this human body with these, you know, external, this, this is just the, the body I'm living in with the brain I have, with the heart I have how do I want to relate to this experience
1: I I really like how you said um about being the meest me is really the best version of me and I think what that really takes is someone listening to themselves a lot right like an understanding and hearing what their what their heart and their mind and their body is asking for and sometimes that's for the first time because usually a lot of times, it's not really what we want. That's like an undoing that we have to do. Like we have to do, <laughs> um, that we have to take the things that we've been hearing through diet culture, through society, through um, all the things that we've been told that we're supposed to feel, do, and want in this life, and then undoing that. And then start listening to what's going on in our heart of hearts so that we can be the meest to me. And I think a lot of times when we're going through this journey of, of self-discovery and, and um, in undoing our, our eating disorder, our disordered eating behaviors, our relationship with our body and our relationship with our food, tuning in and listening can feel so hard and so uncomfortable and so foreign to us. So how do you encourage people to start listening to themselves and to start with that journey of like, who is the meest me? And how do I get to the meest me so that I can just be the meest me and not listen to all of the external stuff that I'm expected to do?
2: Mm, That's a great question. And a really good point that oftentimes we internalize so many of these external viewpoints. We think that those things are us. Like I can speak for myself. That was definitely something I experienced. And yes, this is a really multi-layered question. And honestly, like this is something like it sounds very simple. Like, it could just be the USU you can be, but it's not. Like, I want to validate that this isn't just like a quick fix kind of thing, but I want to also say that this is where we're going. No matter who you are, where you are, this is where um, you're heading. But normally I would like work one-on-one with somebody about this to help them reflect, you know, like, and that's something I would definitely say, working with people who resonate with you. And when I say resonate with you, right, like there are... If you think of the disordered brain with like, that's kind of brainwashed by diet culture, whatever it is, like we usually have some percentage of our brain is devoted to those thoughts, behaviors, um, or beliefs that are not really us. And then there is still a part of our, our being that is in resonance and in alignment. Like, oh man, when I feel you know, we, we all know that feeling of like, oh, I just feel like myself. Like, oh, when I'm around this person, I really feel like myself, like a true version of health or well-being. And so it's a really somatic process. Like this is about um, feeling these things in our bodies. And that can also be kind of foreign too, when we're used to avoiding feeling. So Anchoring in some experience of like what well-being feels like to me and really training the mind to be like, this is my natural state. My natural state is being, is like this, this sense of well-being. It's being in a state of delight and ecstasy and enjoying the aliveness rushing through me. Even if I'm sad, I'm alive. Even if I'm experiencing deep pain, it's like, oh, wow, you know, like, that kind of rush of aliveness, making, you know, the distinction between like, okay, my disordered brain really resonates with this group of friends because they're all counting calories and doing this. And it's like, okay, interesting. Notice that. And then the really alive, vibrant you know, healthy part of me or whatever you want to call it, right. You're going to be doing this self-discovery yourself. But like the part of me that feels like me really resonates with like this coach on Instagram, maybe I'm going to reach out to them and see if they offer a program, you know, or like, or even just having friends that really support your well being. Like you're attracted to people that you're meant to, um, you know, that are meant to help you kind of evolve into something. Right. And you are the one who knows if you're kind of contracting or expanding in your life. And for me, another way that I got into um, really knowing myself more deeply is through journaling and doing, um, but that's just because it resonates with me specifically and drawing, obviously like it's in the book, but, you know, having a space where I could just express myself completely, like, Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way, was something that I talk about a lot in the book and is a huge inspiration for me. And um, she talks about letting yourself write like three pages of stream of consciousness every morning and just giving yourself this freedom to express whatever's inside of you. And there's no judgment. There's no... I mean, and if there's judgment, then there's judgment, great, cool, included in the morning pages, like there's no um, wrong answer, right? Like that's, I would say, the mantra of being the USU, like there's no wrong answer, like whatever is in you is allowed and celebrated, Um so it's like, wow, I'm feeling murderous rage today. Like, don't murder anybody, hopefully. But like, great, embrace that, accept it. Like, explore it. Like, there's nothing to fix here. There's nothing to fix.
0: And I think I want to go back to one of the things you said is like, you know, contraction versus expansion and the different types of people that were attracted to that will, you know, friendships, other kinds of relationship, family, whatever, is just another way to see it's like there's there's this part of your brain your being your soul whatever it is that just wants to be you and so you will be like drawn towards those kinds of people but one of the things that really keeps us back in contraction right is this like what you call in the book and draw in the book which I love is this invisible cage of like food and body obsession and we say it's invisible but you drew it in the book. So I would love if you could just describe exactly what that looks like for people. I mean, if they look up the book online, it's literally on the front page, but like on, it's on page five where you draw it even bigger and all of the you, your cartoon self is inside and all of the bars of the cage are like a different diet culture rule or negative body image thought or some like uh, limiting belief that's holding you back.
2: Yes, that's so funny. It is the invisible cage until we draw it. And that in itself is really interesting, right? Like if you're feeling held down by something, like drawing it or expressing it, actually like it is a sort of a key into understanding ourselves more. And then it's also the key out of it. So I just wanted to say that because it was like, oh yeah, like I think one of the reasons I love drawing in general to kind of explore these nuanced experiences is because it makes it tangible. It turns the invisible into something visible that like then doesn't have as much power over me when it's not this like actual oppressive cage that I feel like I'm living in. And so, yeah, this, I think on the front of the book, it's it's called the Diet Culture Penitentiary. And it's just this like, this jail cell of, all the thoughts of like, you need to be, you need to be smaller. Don't you even think about eating that bagel? Your like carbs are the devil count your calories, like doing all these things that were just ping-ponging thoughts in my head, clouding my, my truest self. And, you know, it is a very small life. Like I lived a very small life and very limited inside of that cage. And Also on the cover, um, I forget if it's actually the book itself, but there's the, I think it probably is, but she has a uh, key inside of the cell that's like attached to her leg, right? So it's crazy is that in the midst of all of this, we are actually the ones who hold the key to escaping from the prison. Um, It doesn't mean that the prison's our fault, it's just like where we are, but we have the key out. So we don't necessarily have a choice about which prison we're living in, but most people are living in some kind of prison, right? So even if, even if I don't, probably everyone listening to this podcast has, can relate to this struggle we're talking about, but just being a human on this planet, we're getting, we're fed a lot of different ideas about what it means to be a person, right? We have a lot of, um, whatever our cage is, um, it's not always, you know, our decision what it is, right? It's not usually, it's not a choice, but getting out of it can be. And it it reminds me of this other metaphor that I love about, um, I forget, I don't know where it originated actually, but I would credit them if I did, but this, uh, you know, the way that they the the elephant keepers keep elephants tamed or like in one place is when they're babies they tie them to a post using a small rope and it works right like they're like oh I tried to get away and I couldn't and then the elephant grows up and is a big massive elephant and they're still just obediently tied to this post and they don't even think about running away, which they could easily do because they're so used to this, um, their existence tied to the rope. So I see it really similarly to like living in the prison of diet culture is so habituated, so normalized, um, that we don't often even think there might be a way out.
1: Yeah, Dana and I have been talking about that. The I haven't heard the elephant story, like that story about training elephants before, but we have been thinking about how things are programmed and how much of the stuff that we're we believe is programming and how much in a lot of ways the more and more programming that's been instilled and kind of ingrained in our culture and our lives and our family life or whatever it is um you kind of become like a well trained dog right like (laughs) doing whatever it is and sometimes you don't even think about it it's like oh i have to go to the bathroom i'm gonna ding this little bell and it's like oh okay here we go like oh you know i need food i'm gonna hit my bowl and like there's like little things about how much we get so programmed by by dye culture that we don't even question it right like and that's something that i think your illustration of the cage shows so well is that we're you're literally holding the key and we're not questioning anything we're we're remaining in this cage because we've been told we need to sit in this cage and we just believe it and um i really love how you illustrated that so well and then in your description around what that looks like and how you can you can unlock yourself from that and you don't have to be in the cage. You can untrain yourself. You can unprogram yourself by showing curiosity, by challenging those beliefs, by thinking about and reflecting on what is holding me down. What are the beliefs that I'm caring about all these different things? What rules do I have in my life that are, that are keeping me in this place of feeling like I'm so stuck, you know, I'm so stuck here and I don't know why I'm stuck here. Um, I think are such important pieces. And I, I think an illustration for someone who's really visual is such a great way of showing this is what it feels like. This is what's happening. Um, whether we realize it or not, we're living, like you said, we're all kind of living in this cage and um, our own personal cage because the things, the posts that are holding us in are a little bit different for each person based off of our lived experience, um, and you know, I'm not even to get into marginalized bodies and different types of things, right that can, you know, trauma and things that can play such a big role in creating that cage for us. And so um, I thinking about the cage and thinking about this this freedom that you talk about, like this food freedom that you talk about in your book, you have a quote that's health without freedom isn't all that healthy. And I'd love for you to talk about what that looks like, because I think it's a really powerful statement. And um, I'd love for you to dive into that a little bit.
2: Yeah, that's so, um, I love to, when you were talking, I realized like one thing, if you're kind of in the, you know, you're in the cage and you're like, I could get out, but like they feed me all my meals here, you know, like prison is kind of attractive. Like I have friends in this cell, you know, all this stuff one thing I want to say is that you also have, you have the choice. You can always go back to the cage. If you get get out and decide, you get to choose if you prefer freedom or you prefer living in this um, imprisoned state. And the same, and that is what, that's part of like, what you're saying. Um, the health without freedom isn't all that healthy. Like, that's part of the freedom. You can actually choose whatever you want. Like if you want to like continue to pursue weight loss, that is totally your choice. Like it it, it is actually, you know, it's, it's like, you can continue to, um, you, you can do whatever you want, right? Like if someone's listening to this, like, well, but I like, I like working out every single day and I like eating like this many calories every and i like it's like good okay cool like do it but know that you have a choice right and so it's like that freedom also inca- encapsulates whatever it is that somebody um like w- like how do i i put it it's basically oh, yeah like if if our idea of health has a should in it. If we're shooting ourselves into health, it's um, it's a prison. Whether or not, like, the state of our bodies, like, regardless of what your BMI is. If, I mean, obviously, that has like the most problematic thing ever. But like, regardless of um, any external measures of health, true well-being is being in a state of sovereignty and freedom in your body, and like really you know this goes into more categories than just food and um you know nutrition and that idea of health like this is about feeling like hey i'm i'm here i can make choices that you know i i can um yeah like really feel the freedom of being a sovereign being. Like, and what you choose is not as important as the fact that you are the one choosing it and that you take ownership of that role as well. Because if we're kind of walking around and, um, you know, maybe we have a great life, but we are sort of or, you know, it's like, everything's pretty comfortable and easy. Like a lot of people don't have these kinds of conversations that we're having because they haven't had something happen to them that's pulled them into reality on a deeper level. And that's totally okay too, right? Like my parents often to ask me about that. They're like, but like all this work you do, like we don't all have to do it. Right. And it's like, no, no one has to do this. Like, it usually happens when you have reached a point that living the way you've been living your whole life no longer feels authentic to you. And so, if you're feeling completely aligned and authentic with whatever it is, it's like there's no rug that needs to be ripped out from anybody, right? It's just like this is this kind of freedom is available to us. And like we can have these conversations to invite people into, um, this, like this plane of reality. It's not like it's, it's, it's available to everybody, of course, but sometimes we're like afraid to really touch the deeper layers of life because it's like, Oh God, this is going to really rupture everything that I've thought to be true. Um, and you can just feel that it just feels kind of like, why would I do that unnecessarily? And so many people don't, and that's okay. Um, like having a traumatic experience, like having an eating disorder or, you know, like basically some blaring sign that my life isn't working as it is, like pulls us into deeper surrender into life and what I would call more freedom, like allowing more freedom in. Um, But yeah, I just, I feel like it's really important to say also permission to be, to just keep doing stuff, how you're doing stuff. Like there's no requirement. um, Yeah. Of, of everyone needs to do this work. It's very um, that's a choice as well.
1: Yeah. I think that's something interesting too, that I think is often people don't feel like there's a lot of choice, right? I think people feel a lot of times, like I have to pursue health, whatever health is to them, right? How they've identified health or how people in their lives have identified health. I think there's a lot of times in feeling that there is no choice, that there is no agency, that there is no autonomy in choosing that. And so you can choose and you can elect to pursue or not pursue that based off of your own value structure. I think the thing that I like the most about this quote around health without freedom isn't all that healthy is that I think it opens up the doorway and negate for people to think to themselves, is my perception and my beliefs around health limiting? Is it limiting me? Is it holding me back from doing different things? Am I keeping myself in a cage because in this pursuit of what I believe is healthy, can I challenge that belief a little bit and create um, what could be a more flexible definition of health for me? And what does that look like? And why do I feel like In order to pursue health, it has to be, I have to check this list of all of these different things and make sure I get all this stuff done. And this is the only way that this is going to look. And I think that's what you're talking about when you put in quotes, healthy, like health without freedom isn't all that healthy. If you have to keep a wellness checklist of all the things that you have to do every single freaking day in order to be healthy, that shit ain't healthy. (laughs) That is obsessive. (laughs) It's not healthy. It's not serving you. And it's not that aligned. If you have to force health into your life, I think it's time to question what health means and how you're, how you're upholding that. And I think that's what I love so much about that quote. And you put it so like, so bold, just, just like, it's not that healthy, you know? Like, um, and I think it's true. And I think, um, I think sometimes too is one thing that gets held up in, These types of conversations, especially with people who are new to these conversations or like you're talking about with your family members who are saying to you, um, do I have to do this work too? No, you don't. You might want to think about it, though. (laughs) In all seriousness, you might want to think about the things that you're doing because we all carry around some rules. Most people do. We live in a rule-based society. <laughs> so where are rules fall, you know, falling into place around how we're living our lives on a daily basis? And do we even like them? You know, do we even like doing it this way? Do we, if we stop and think about it and stop, you know, doing the checklist every day and doing all the different things and we stop and looked at it and took a step back and said, man, am I, am I being held back by this? Is this holding me in a place? Does this feel aligned? whose goals am I meeting? Where are we, what are we doing? Right. What is the, how is that healthy? And um, I don't know. I just really liked how you said that. So like clear. (laughs) And I think it's true, right. It's just true. It's not that healthy.
2: It isn't. Yeah. And it's like, and I love how you're pointing out. It's so true. Like it's about, and I love just saying this. It's like what I'm doing, it's just to help people feel at ease and that natural sense of well-being and So if you have that, doing whatever you're doing, that's awesome. But if you want to explore the little pockets of life where, yeah, there might be some other things at play, then definitely doing this work would be very beneficial, even if it feels scary at first. (laughs) It's like, yeah. Hmm.
0: And, you know, to use the visual that you have of this, you know, the diet culture penitentiary, if the only way that you feel healthy is with being within the bonds of this cage, don't call that food freedom, right? Like that's not, that's not even health. It's not food freedom. It's not body image freedom. It's not body neutrality, food neutrality, any of this. If you set, if you have to set conditions or a wellness checklist that you also have a visual of in your book, which I loved because we can go into that a second, but I used to do that all the time. Is if if you feel like you, the only way that health can exist for you is if these conditions have been met or basically if you're inside the bounds of this cage, it's not actually healthy. Or if you think that that's healthy for you, we probably need to re-examine what our definition of healthy is because most people would look at that and be like, but you're living in a cage, that's not free, right? It, it's something else, it's control is what it is. And it might be your comfort zone, But that doesn't mean that it's healthy and it doesn't mean that you have to stay there forever. Like you wanna stay in the cage? Okay, that is totally a choice. If you want to like learn how to get strong enough to be resilient and peel the bars back from the cage, or I don't know, just use the key that's tied to your leg that you have in the illustration, right? You're welcome to do that too. And there's a bunch of us on the other side that will have cookies waiting for you and you're welcome to come out.
2: And there's like literally a cookie, like right outside of the cage on the cover too, just dancing around. Yes. I I love that you said all these conditions because I want to highlight this is conditional love. This is conditional self-love. When we are saying, I will love you as long as you eat this many calories and you have this many carbs for breakfast and blah, 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 blah. Like, these are ways that we're conditionally loving ourselves and understandable if that's all you've known um, for how to love yourself, give yourself some credit. This is your, you're doing your very best to love yourself. You know, a lot of times, following these rules is just trying to like take care of yourself and love yourself but there's unconditional love available to you in this moment and every moment and that's what the invitation is here is to come into a space of unconditional love and it just you know we can remove the conditions one by one it's not a it's it's a it's a nice process we're going to a good place <laughs>
1: Yeah. You said, um, I can't remember where it was, but maybe, maybe it was in the book, but maybe it is in both places on your book and an in Instagram, but you, you called it letting yourself come back home. And I think that is really the message, right? Like taking out each one of those conditions one by one. And this place is a good place. It's a place where you feel home, home in your body, home in yourself, home where you feel um, aligned, where you feel free to make choice and agency and not feeling like you have to shame yourself into living inside of a a very limited box, you know? And I really love that that you've said that, letting yourself come back home and this place is a good place. And I really think your book is ultimately an invitation to explore that. Mm, that's That means a lot to me because that's what I would hope for it to be
2: is this invitation to come back home and that's that's another good way of putting the how to be the youest you you can be or the meest me I can be it's just about being at home right here in this body in this moment in this right now and yeah it's uh it's a really beautiful process and also you know it's and it's messy. it's not just like it's it's not just like an Instagram meme. it's also you know there's gonna be tears, there's gonna be stuff but yeah
0: well, we absolutely loved it, and I cannot wait for people to actually see this because this isn't just like a quote that you can see on Instagram or you know like something you can read on Google Books or something, right? like not even really an audiobook so. If people, sorry, when people want to find where you are and where the book is and everything, please tell them where they can find you.
2: Sure. Um, Well, I love to connect with people on Instagram. So if you follow, send a message, I'd love to connect with you. Um, The book Instagram is at fed up the book. And my personal one is at Katie Barb. And you can also find me on my website, katiebarbaro.com, where, um, there will be links to the uh, pre-sale and then the regular sale page, um, which is also at orchardpresspublishing.com slash shop. <laughs> so I hope to see you in any or all of those places. Um, yeah, it really, it really means a lot to me to be able to talk with both of you. And I just want to also tell you how, like, I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing and you know, and going above and beyond your client work that you're doing, you know, one-on-one with, with clients and groups and like creating this podcast that's free, that's available for people to just like have an entry point into, um, this amazing, amazing work that you're doing. So thank you so much.
0: Oh, we appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not crying. You're crying.
1: Oh, that's really sweet and um creating a space that's accessible for this work and having these deep these deep conversations with people that are real and honest and share in the experience of of getting to this point of freedom and create and like breaking down those conditions is something that I know we're all very passionate about so thank you so much for showing up here today and showing up in your work for yourself so that you can create such an incredible story um, to share with people in such a um, a liberating way. So thank you. I love that. Yeah, you guys are like the
2: best friends I wish I had to listen to while I was going through all this stuff. I was like, man, I wish I had this podcast while I was in the depths of despair. I love it. It's so awesome. Aww.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on. This was really fun and I can't wait for people to get their hands on the book and just see it and realize
1: why we love it so much. Reminder, if you're interested in diving deeper into these topics and working on your own body image, check out the Body Image Audit at bit.ly forward slash the Body Image Audit. Hey friends,
0: it's Dana, and thanks for listening to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you can, we would absolutely love it if you left a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps spread the word so more people can find the show and learn how to break out of diet culture, the body image spiral, and find a more peaceful relationship with food in their bodies with Wholehearted Eating. If you're interested in learning more about how you can work with me or Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling or checking out our self-paced courses, head over to wholeheartedeating.com. And we'll see you again here next week.